This is AM Rush. I'm Alex Mitchell. Monday, April 13th, wishing a happy Passover and a happy Easter to everybody that celebrates. Let's get into some headlines right away. First of all, an Easter miracle in Brooklyn as a blind man survives falling between two train cars. We're going to have more on that. And what's going on with New York City school closures? Mayor Bill de Blasio is saying one thing. Governor Andrew Cuomo is saying another. We will talk more about that. And on the front of coronavirus, Mayor Bill de Blasio says that the city has enough ventilators at least for another week in their hospitals. Another chance missed by Vince McMahon's football league. We'll talk a little bit more about what's going on there. First, now in Brooklyn, what is truly a miracle on Easter Sunday. So a visually impaired man believed to be in his 50s fell between two train cars on an F train at the 15th Street Prospect Park Station in Park Slope. Police said that the man was using a white cane and officials also say that when he put that stick forward, instead of going into the open doors, he walked forward and fell between the train. Now FDNY members rushed to the scene with the help of transit police, found the man under the train, they cut the power on the third rail, and then they safely got him out and onto a gurney. It's also being reported that witnesses quickly alerted the motorman on the F train to let them know that the man had fallen beneath the tracks. The train was held for about 30 minutes, and then they were able to get the man out of there. Right now, that incident is being investigated by the NYPD Transit Bureau. And after Mayor Bill de Blasio said that New York City schools would remain closed over the next few months, during a press conference, Governor Cuomo didn't mention anything about it after saying that that wasn't the case. Now on Saturday when Mayor de Blasio said he would keep New York City schools closed for the rest of this school year, Governor Andrew Cuomo in a separate press conference said that that was merely his opinion and that the governor insisted he had the authority to open and close schools. So not exactly clear as of this morning what's going on there, but The governor has a different opinion than the mayor. Shocking. And some good news on the front of coronavirus. Mayor Bill de Blasio said on Sunday that the city is set with ventilators for at least one more week. De Blasio said that increased testing would be made available in the communities that are hardest hit by coronavirus through the existing New York City health and hospital facilities in each borough. Now, these tests are going to be launched later in the week. Earlier last week, Mayor de Blasio also said that new data would be coming out this week on New York City coronavirus patients. Now, the mayor also said that New York City health and hospital locations in East New York in Brooklyn, Morrisania in the Bronx, Harlem in Manhattan, Jamaica in Queens, and the Vanderbilt Clinic in Staten Island will be providing testing to those most vulnerable in impacted communities. And when we have more updates on coronavirus, we will let you know. And again, we want to know what you're seeing out there in New York. Tell us what your experience has been with coronavirus if you've been personally afflicted, if you know someone, or just what your day-to-day life is now, come talk to us, reach out, reach out on any of our social media, follow the email in the description, 
We want to talk about this. And some news in the football world, not the NFL though. The XFL announced on Friday that it would be suspending operations after a month of play. Now New York had a team playing out of the Meadowlands, the Guardians, who unfortunately are locked up for the time being, another casualty of COVID-19. But there are some talking points about what the NFL could learn from Vince McMahon's XFL. And there's a great feature by AM New York Metro sports editor Joe Pantorno about that that we're going to link to here. On the front of football, I don't know how many of you were watching TV on this Easter Sunday, but Fox 5 replayed Super Bowl 42, better known as when Eli Manning and the New York Giants upset Bill Belichick Tom Brady, and the undefeated New England Patriots in the 2007-2008 to NFL season. This had me thinking, what are some of the best or most exciting comebacks in recent Super Bowl history? So this weekend, I took a little bit of time and I came up with what I think are the top five most exciting comeback games in the Super Bowl from the start of the new millennium, so the past 20 seasons. So we're going to start this list with number five, Super Bowl 44, which was Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts versus Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. Now, at the time, the Indianapolis Colts were coming off a Super Bowl 41 victory against the Chicago Bears and were the overall front runner in that game against New Orleans Drew Brees and coach Sean Payton who have never won a Super Bowl in franchise history. But that's not what made the New Orleans Saints upset victory so exciting. There is one play from this game that will go down in the folklore of not just for Sean Payton but every gutsy NFL coach's playbook ever. And that is an onside kick to start the second half while down 10-6, to which, of course, the Saints recovered and drove down the field, scored a touchdown, and ultimately later in the fourth quarter would take control of that game with about five minutes left. That was something that was uncommon for to see in a Super Bowl. And for many people, they missed that play. Because they were still coming back from the bathroom, the other room, whatever. Nobody expected that. They expected most likely the ball was going to be booted into the end zone. Touchback, nothing special. Okay, what I miss? Oh, nothing, a touchback. No, the Saints recovered the ball, and that was, you know, that was true guts. That could have backfired. Think about the, the alternative to that, what could have happened if the Saints didn't recover. You give... Peyton Manning the ball at midfield to start the second half. They're already up. That could have put the Colts ahead to the point where New Orleans couldn't have managed to come back. So that was gutsy. That was exciting. And a very unique story to tell for your franchise's first Super Bowl. So that goes on our list at number five. And, you know, it's funny because... Almost all, and this isn't to say that there haven't been other very exciting games, but there was a little period of time at the end of the 2000s, right before 2010, 
where you just got some awesome conclusions to the NFL season, which brings us in to the Super Bowl from the preceding year, Super Bowl 43, which featured the Arizona Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So this game had quarterback Kurt Warner, running back Larry Fitzgerald, going up against Ben Roethlisberger and the frizzy-haired linebacker Troy Palomalu, along with a Steelers team that was certainly one for the ages. Actually, that Steelers team had on it Willie Colon, of, formerly of the New York Jets, now an owner of a bar in the South Bronx. Not just a bar, a beer garden in the South Bronx called Bricks and Hops. So there's always a local angle. Pittsburgh is hanging on to a 20-7 lead in the fourth quarter, and that is where the fireworks start. Arizona begins to come back with about nine minutes left. Larry Fitzgerald brings him down to the 10-yard line. They quickly get in the end zone after that. And then touchdown after touchdown, all of a sudden it's 20-16 to with two minutes and 44 seconds left. We've got ourselves a real game. It's 20-16 to Pittsburgh with two minutes and 48 seconds left. Cardinals have the ball. It's on their own side of the field. But a short pass to Larry Fitzgerald, he takes it to the house. This was just, this was a very exciting back and forth game, especially since the year before, which was the Giants and Patriots game I referenced. Yeah, that was a defensive battle through and through. And now you're seeing just back and forth, two heavyweights, just one takes a punch, one gives a punch. And it really was who's going to get the ball last? Who's going to settle this? So with just over two minutes left, Arizona takes a 23 to 20 lead. Big Ben gets the ball, drives Pittsburgh down into the red zone, and you see one of the most awesome Super Bowl catches in history. Santonio Holmes, when he digs in his two feet in the corner of the end zone, tucks the ball in, Pittsburgh wins. That play, if you watch in freeze frame to see the extension of his body and the stillness of his legs to pinch both feet in bounds, literally, he was one turf hair away, or grass hair because he was playing on a natural field, one hair away from being out of bounds. And it's not to say it was second and goal. It's not to say that Pittsburgh couldn't have scored on the next play. They might have. But to win the Super Bowl on circumstances like that, man, oh man, what an exciting game. What an exciting finish to the season. Now, our next entry is a little bit more recent, and it involves a young fellow, 24 years old to be exact, by the name of Patrick Mahomes, the youngest Super Bowl MVP in history, when this season the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 54. And also just a point to make about this game, without realizing it, this was our last big one. This was our last truly gigantic sporting event before getting hit with everything with coronavirus, this game. And it seemed very predictable out of the start. A lot of people thought that San Francisco had it in the bag. Kansas City was close, but they weren't there yet. And this was going to be their close call, but they weren't going to be able to follow through with it. And the game really was, for the most part, routine until the end of the third quarter. 
trailing 20 to 10, that's when Patrick Mahomes said, hey, I, I want this. We want this. We're not just going to go down quietly and then things heated up. You got almost a full season's worth of action in about 15 or 16 minutes, which was remarkably exciting. So just as Kansas City starts marching down the field at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Mahomes throws an awkward interception, turns over the ball. Everyone's thinking, okay, that's it. That's, that's it. That was their opportunity to make it a game. They're down by 10. It's the fourth quarter with about 11 minutes to go. San Francisco's just going to burn away the clock. Maybe they can get close, but they're probably not going to finish up. And just the pace and the tempo of that game was very convincing that that was going to happen. Head coach Andy Reid, coach of the Chiefs, he was just moving at not a relaxed pace, but you really felt... Like they were just, it was a slow game and they were being outpaced and outmatched. But that was not the case. So San Francisco turns the ball over and the Chiefs get one last shot at redemption, trailing by 10, trailing 20 to 10, with just over seven minutes to go. And you see one of the most impressive, never say die runs in football. And it starts with. A launch from Mahomes behind midfield to get Kansas City to the 20-yard line, 21 to be exact. So just about a minute later, they score a touchdown. All of a sudden, it's a three-point game with six minutes to go. Now still, all San Francisco has to do is score a touchdown and they'll likely win the Super Bowl. Now they can't do that. Kansas City gets the ball back with five minutes left. It is their game to win. Mahomes, again, with some amazing plays and and a truly impressive drive in a game that almost started, in a way, in the fourth quarter. The the intense back-to-back action started with about seven minutes left in this game. That was certainly one of the more exciting comebacks to see this year around the league, especially on such a big stage, for a team that has come so close in the past to finally crossing over into the Super Bowl, let alone to win it. That was exciting stuff, and man, that parade in Kansas City, Missouri looked pretty darn awesome. Next on the list is Super Bowl 51 from 2017, better known as the New England Patriots' greatest comeback ever against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, if you haven't seen this game and you've seen people with bar stool towels that say 28-3 to on them, that's what this is in reference to. In the third quarter, the Patriots were facing an unprecedented Super Bowl deficit against Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. They were down 28-3 to and mounted what is arguably, even as a New York sports supporter, I can admit this, arguably the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. They managed to tie the game, go to overtime for the first Super Bowl ever, and from there... It was just Bill Belichick and Tom Brady doing what they do best. Winning Super Bowls, making the competition feel like they didn't even stand a chance. There were so many times at that game 
where you look back, if you've ever watched the full thing on replay, you can pinpoint moments. If they got a first down there, wouldn't have happened. If they did this, if they did that, Patriots wouldn't have been able to come back. But they did. And the Patriots, when they win their Super Bowls, most times, not all the time, they're in control of the game. They really are, except for a couple instances and uh, one very exciting end zone interception because Pete Carroll didn't want to put the ball on the ground with the Seattle Seahawks a few years ago. But this also showed that the Patriots could go into their disaster protocol or their doomsday protocol. And that was impressive. Love him or hate him, and now he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, which is still strange to me. Tom Brady has done some of the most improbable things on a football field. To this day, that will always be one of the best, if not the best, comebacks in Super Bowl history. But now we get to talk about a time when Tom Brady and the Patriots lost. This, in my opinion, the game that I started this little dialogue with, Super Bowl Forty-Two, is, in my opinion, the greatest Super Bowl to be played in the past 20 years. And I will explain why I put this above the New England Patriots' 28-3 comeback in, one, in under one half of football. Like, a quarter and a half, actually. The Patriots went into that game, like many of their Super Bowls, heavily favored to win. Now, not taking anything away from the comeback, it was phenomenal. It will go down as one of the NFL's greatest games, let alone Super Bowls. They were supposed to win from the beginning. Now, in 2007 to 2008, because playoffs are in January and February, the New York Giants barely, barely shooed in on the NFC side. Meanwhile, the New England Patriots were 18 and 0. They were the first team to ever go 18 and 0. They were the first team that could have gone 19 and 0 ever. That is how good the 2007 to 2008 New England Patriots were. The only team to ever do that, to ever have a fully undefeated season, were the Miami Dolphins in 1972. And they only played 17 games that season when they beat the Washington Redskins in Super Bowl VII. So for the New York Giants, under Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin, who was practically fired before the season began, for them to rise to the occasion to beat the New England Patriots 17-14, to hold one of the most offensive machines to two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Wow. Man, oh man. And if anyone doesn't know how this game ended, oh, you're in for a treat. But before we get to the iconic play, which I will describe in a moment, going into the fourth quarter, the Giants hadn't scored a touchdown. It was 7-3. to three. That's how tight a game it was. It was a chess match. This was Tom Coughlin versus Bill Belichick. This was, we are both evenly matched on the field. Strategy will ultimately 
be the deciding factor in this game. And Tom Coughlin and Belichick both coached together on the New York Giants, actually, back in the 90s. Both won a ring in Super Bowl 25 when Scott Norwood missed from 47 yards on grass, missed to the right, and the New York Giants beat the Buffalo Bills for the first time in the Super Bowl, that is. That fourth quarter before the play, which I promise I'm getting to, that fourth quarter had it all. Before Manning does his magic, the Giants were facing a fourth and inches on their own side of the field. And Brandon Jacobs did a textbook halfback dive where you can visually see on the broadcast angle, you can see his arms stretch across and you can see the Giants have a shot at life. Because if they don't get that, the game's over before they even have a chance. So before the miracle, there was a miracle. Like a, a prerequisite miracle. You must have done this to get here. And now, of course, the moment we're all waiting for. Eli Manning drops back, gets pressure from Thomas off the edge, as Joe Buck's famous call says. Manning breaks these tackles. Guns the ball down to David Tyree, who many players on that Giants team had said he had stone hands in practice the week before. Tyree catches it off his helmet, but the Giants still need to score. A few plays later, they do. Burris alone in the end zone, and then the Giants stop Brady on a two-minute drill, more closely a 30-second drill, actually sack him in the process, take a play away. That is the most exciting Super Bowl, or the best Super Bowl played in this millennium because of those factors. Because that was a textbook definition of David defeating Goliath. And again, not to take away from what the Patriots did to the Falcons, that was a remarkable comeback. But truthfully, not many people thought the Patriots would be in that situation. And as, as a team so heavily favorited, that's had so much championship success. Sure, they, they choked in the first half, but they shouldn't have been in that situation. At least that's what I believe. So that is why Super Bowl Forty Two, New York Giants 17, New England Patriots 14, not just for New York, but for the whole country, that's been the most exciting game to happen, the most exciting Super Bowl to happen in 20 years. If we can't watch sports... At least we can talk about them and for now reminisce on a few fun things. Later throughout the week, we're going to have some more fun sports stuff. We're going to be talking entertainment towards the end of the week, ways to keep your mind sane in quarantine. Thank you again for listening to AM Rush. I'm Alex Mitchell. And before we end today, again, a big thank you to everyone on the front lines of coronavirus. You're doing the city. You're doing the state. You're doing the nation a favor that we're all in debt to you for. So this is AM Rush. I'm Alex Mitchell. Thanks for listening. New York, stay safe and please wash your hands.